welcome to CAD Speaker Series Podcast. This week, Sehar Noor, Research Assistant here at the Center for International Development, will be interviewing Lubitsa Nedelkoska, who also works as a research fellow at CID. Lubitsa just delivered a talk on the impact of return migration on wages and employment in Albania, which was spurred by Greece's debt crisis in 2009. Lubitsa, thank you for a great talk and for taking the time to do this interview. The topic of your talk today was the impact of return migration on non-migrants' wages and employment in Albania, and it's part of a larger project that CID is engaged by the Albanian government. So I thought it'd be a good place to start if you could maybe give an overview of that project. Sure. Thank you, Sahar, and thank you for uh, inviting me here today. The talk that I gave today is indeed uh, part of a larger project. Uh, the project is uh, headed by Professor Ricardo Hausmann and also Professor Matt Andrews. They're both of them at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government in Cambridge. And uh, the project started about three and a half years ago when the uh, government of Edi Rama, the current prime minister, won the parliamentary election and wanted to move um, the country towards more uh, democratic and prosperous countries. So in that context, Professor Ricardo Hausmann was asked to uh, help the government come up with, uh, with an economic strategy for the next four years, and this is how we got engaged. So at that time, the, the economy was slowing down, and the major reasons behind the slowdown was um, the slowdown in construction and also the reduction of remittances. Remittances went from being at their peak, 18% of GDP, to 8% of GDP. And in this context, uh, we were looking for new factors, new sources of growth. And we uh, proposed an economic strategy that's built around exports, uh, increasing of exports and increasing of export uh, diversification. Now, soon after we uh, worked on the economic strategy, what we figured out is that there wasn't that much lack of ideas what to do, but the implementation was extremely hard. And this is where when where we added another part of the project, which is led by Professor Matt Andrews, and it's part of the group Building State Capabilities here at CID. And this is the project that uh, implements what we call the problem-driven iterative adaptation approach to public service. And Professor Andrews and his team worked together uh, with actors from the private sector and actors from the public sector um, specific to, let's say, textile, specific to agriculture, specific to tourism, in order to focus them on identifying problems that are sector-specific sector and um, bind the productivity in that sector and help them sometimes with solutions from the public sector to address uh, the same. And how does this research topic specifically fit into the goals of that Albanian project? How did you come up with the question? What were you observing that led you to go down this research path? Uh, so, as I mentioned, uh, Albania uh, was and still is uh, very reliant on remittances. And the reason why uh, this was happening is because 
more than a third of the population that's born in Albania used to live outside the borders of Albania before the, uh, the Euro crisis started. Now, with the slowdown of the Euro crisis and the slowdown of uh, remittances, we realized that people are actually coming back. Right. And uh, we knew that uh, because of the large numbers of people living abroad, we knew that in order to understand what is happening domestically in Albania, we actually had to understand the countries in which Albanians reside when mm. abroad. And this is when we started looking in, uh, into Italy and we started looking into Greece. In the case of Italy, although Italy was slowing down, it didn't have the huge impact on uh, the Albanian migrants that Greece had, that the slowdown in Greece had. So we specifically then focused on, on Greece and the return migration from Greece to Albania. Right, so it was a pretty dramatic shock to the labor market in terms of a 5% increase in the size of the labor market. Like how, what in terms of what the standard literature on immigration um, says what did you expect to find, and then were you surprised with the with the actual uh, results that you saw? Mm-hmm. So our major question was indeed when we saw such a large inflow of returned migrants in Albania. Our uh, major research question was how is this impacting the employment and the wages of those who never migrated. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the standard uh, theory uh, would say that uh, the wages should go down because of increased competition, and also the unemployment rate should go up, again, because of increased competition. Now, this kind of reasoning, so the standard reasoning, uh, makes two important assumptions uh, that result in this uh, hypothesis. First is that there is no adjustment to the capital, which means that the pool of jobs remains unchanged as, as people come in. Mm-hmm. And the second assumption is that uh, migrants and non-migrants are perfect substitutes, which means that they dire- directly compete for the same jobs. Mm. And this is what we expected. We expected that uh, in addition to the loss of remittances that we will see increasing unemployment and uh, decreasing wages, and that was quite scary. Right. We expected this negative, additional negative effects, uh, but what we found was that the average effect on wages and employment uh, was positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we think uh, drove these positive effects was the fact that as people were returning, they were bringing in some of the savings, uh, so capital was not constant they also managed to to attract some of the grants that uh, agencies like the USAID, Oxfam, and uh, GIZ made available. Uh, so they actually increased the capital in the economy. Uh, the other assumption uh, that was, we think, incompatible with the standard model is that migrants and non-migrants are substitutes. Uh, what we find is that they specialize in different kinds of things, and uh, uh, non and the migrants know things that the non-migrants do not know. Mm. Uh, So, for instance, a very simple technology is that was uncommon in Albania until the return migration started uh, was greenhouses. When the return migration started, some of the people working in Greece in greenhouses started introducing greenhouses in Albania. Mm. In addition to this, uh, they seem to know something about exports. So exports started growing of vegetables and and fruits in Albania 
at the same period that uh, return migrants came. So these are the kind of positive effects that we didn't expect to see, but they happen. And they had obviously some positive effects on the employment and the wages, not only of return migrants, but on non-migrants. Um, when you talk about these, the benefits that these uh, return migrants were bringing to the economy, what makes them unique? Like, what was it about their demographics? What was it about uh, them that that allowed them to contribute to uh, the Albanian economy in these ways, whether it's through exports or these new sectors or this entrepreneurship that you're talking about? So there are several factors that contribute to this, not specifically in this research, but in other research. Uh, there are findings that the experience of migration makes you more entrepreneurial. There is also belief about, uh, among most researchers that people who migrate are more entrepreneurial. It's a self-selection effect. Mm -hmm. So to start with, this seems to be a group that's particularly prone to, um, to entrepreneurship in mm -hmm. different forms. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is that uh, when you live abroad, especially when you live in countries that are richer than your own, especially when they're more knowledgeable than your own, which is the case of Italy and Greece relative to Albania, you learn things that people in your country don't know. So you get exposed to different knowledge. So some of the, some of the agricultural skills that they managed to acquire in Greece, they could not have acquired them in Albania. Another thing is that they, they build networks that they couldn't build if they would have stayed uh, at home. Right. They may learn about export channels, they may learn about supply channels, uh, and this is the kind of knowledge that then helps them and tells them apart from the rest of the population. Now in, the, uh, in this specific case, it also happened that the first wave of migrants were almost 90% of them were male, mm. and they were in prime age. So they were very likely to participate on the labor market, and very often they were the breadwinners of, of the family. Yeah, it's especially interesting because you found that they were on average less, had less education than the, than the non-migrants in Albania, but they were more likely to have had uh, vocational training. Exactly. So it's, it, it's interesting to see this, this distinction between like education, but then like know-how and mm -hmm. how they were bringing the know-how and the capabilities that they got, that they gained in, uh, in Greece or Italy and how that contributed to, I guess, the transformation yeah. that they contributed to in Albania. Um, so we talked a lot about the, the benefits of on the non-migrant population in the country, but what about the migrants themselves now? Do you think that um, from the perspective of the migrants, were they better off having returned to Albania, or would they have been better off if, they, if let's say, the Greek economic crisis had not happened and they had mm. stayed in Greece? Yeah, so the, it's an excellent question. The main argument of, of the paper is that they returned not by choice, but because they had to. Right. Already that tells us something. It tells us that if, they, if you would have asked them, they probably would not have returned, at least not at this point of time. Mm. Uh, there is a research on uh, migration that shows that many of the migrants actually um, think of their migration as a certain cycle of their life where they actually accumulate capital. They already have an idea. They don't have the capital. Mm. So they go abroad and they learn some things, but they also accumulate capital, and then they go back and they start uh, their venture. So I look at this as like an interrupted cycle of that uh, kind of uh, migration cycle. So uh, basically, they probably came at a suboptimal 
point. They might have wanted to stay a few more years, or some of them maybe they wanted to stay forever. Uh, so I think that they were that already tells us that they're probably not better off. The other thing is that when we compare the net effects on the economy that came from more jobs and from more employment to the lost remittances, we already see that the losses from remittances, at least as a share of GDP, are larger than the gains from employment and wages. That's one thing. The other thing that we don't account for is the lost income right. outside remittances that uh, return migrants used to earn in Greece, but now they don't, they don't uh, earn it anymore or earn less on their farms. So in that sense, on average, probably migrants are worse off, but I wouldn't exclude the possibility that this was exactly, for some of them, this was exactly the nudge that they needed to go back and start their venture. Right. Maybe a bit earlier than anticipated, but nevertheless. Yeah, and even even if, let's say, like the remittance was larger in terms of like percentage of GDP than the wages and benefits that the return migrants brought, the, the, the sort of structural transformation or the, the, the growth of the of the economy, of new sectors, of the entrepreneurship, the benefits that that has on uh, on the Albanian economy, I guess that isn't really being measured in that. Exactly. In, 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 that. in our project, in our research, one of the major findings, uh, so we studied uh, the, the binding constraints to growth in Albania, and the major constraint is the lack of know-how. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, some of this know-how is very uh, sector-specific. So Albania has hardly diversified in the last 20 years. And uh, now what we're seeing, at least mainly in agriculture, that we see exports of things that were never exported before. And in the long run, this may actually kind of offset the short-run negative income that they lost in Greece. Uh, it's just that for the period of time that we observe. We cannot say this, but we definitely see signals of, especially in terms of increasing exports, that point in this direction. So taking that into account, and also the fact that a problem that Albania deals with is the level of out-migration, um, what type of policy recommendations do you think this paper sort of informs the government to? Like, what what, what sort of policy recommendations would you give to the Albanian government or even other governments dealing with brain drain based on the conclusions that you reached? Yeah. So first of all, I think for each government that has a large issue with immigration, it's very important that they track this very carefully and not only in their own statistics but also by looking at the statistics of other countries uh, with large population. Uh, population of their own people. Okay. Uh, in this sense, uh, uh, shocks of this kind can be anticipated and uh, can be better managed. And I think most countries that have large migrant community are typically unaware uh, where they are and what they do. Not to the extent that that would be satisfactory for a, uh, for a proper policy design. The other thing is that I, I mentioned earlier that uh, this is a special group of people. Many of them are true entrepreneurs. Uh, so I think one of the things that, that uh, governments need to be aware of is when these people return for some reasons that they might be worth the investment. Mm. So you may want uh, specialized programs that target uh, return migrants, learn about the skills that they had, the industries where they were in, 
um, the kinds of uh, infrastructure that they may need, the kinds of public goods that they may need, the kinds of grants that they may need in order to start a venture if they want to. So this is, as I said, uh, not only uh, my own finding but other of other colleagues and as such uh, I think has serious implications for nurturing and, and sustaining entrepreneurship. And currently, uh, some of the case studies that you showed in your presentation today, there are the return migrants are finding uh, that Oxfam, USAID, and other NGOs are providing, you know, the financing that they need to start these entrepreneurial um, ventures. Do you, so you don't think that's enough? You think that the government should also have some sort of of uh, program in place? Yeah, I, um, so it's very difficult to gauge if, if this is enough or yeah. it's not enough. Uh, what we observe now is that because this, uh, these programs exist, these mi this migrants benefit from them, maybe it's enough. It would be very exciting part of the of, uh, focus of research to look whether this is enough, whether supply exceeds demand. Yeah. But because we know that there is absorptive capacity on the side of the migrants for such grants, and uh, because we see that they make actually successful ventures out of this and they create activities that were not there before, they're just really novel entrepreneurial ventures, uh, we know that this support was important. So whether it's provided by the government or by other uh, development agencies, probably doesn't matter that much to the, to the entrepreneurs as long as they can um, get access Finance to those. Projects, right. And so, last question. Overall, what do you think this working paper contributes to both the academic and political debate on the benefits or harms of immigration overall? This is a you know specific way of looking at it in terms of looking at return migration, mm. which I think is interesting because that you're able to kind of hone in on the economic aspects of it rather than the sort of politically charged. Um, uh, debates that have uh, that happen around immigration. So, what did you find that was, mm. you know, unique to return migration, but that, but also that you think can contribute to the immigration debate overall? I have to think back of what we expected the first time we we noticed the the, the large wave of return migration, and what we expected to understand what to expect. We we started look. Uh, uh, we started reading the the textbooks on return on migration, not return migration, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, immigration in general. And we started uh, reading some of the most popular uh, economic papers uh, written on this. And what we notice is that the mainstream, uh, I would say, like the the highest cited work and the uh, the one with longest the longest tradition expected, uh, predicted, and found that uh, the effects both on wages and employment will be negative. Mm. Now, that's not what we found. And uh, later we found that we are not alone among the, the research scholars that do not find these effects. And one, uh, one set of reasons why uh, we find different uh, effects uh, are theoretical. The theory doesn't make the right assumptions for what immigration and return migration actually does. Most of the time, uh, return migrants or immigrants are not substitutes uh, for non-migrants. They're actually oftentimes complements. Mm. The other thing is because they have different kinds of know-how, they have different knowledge, they have different specializations. Uh, once you uh, relax that assumption, you get more positive picture more positive expectation about the effects. The second is the assumption of uh, fixed 
capital and fixed pool of jobs. Mm-hmm. There are different reasons why the pool of jobs uh, should grow when uh, more migrants come in. Uh, one may be if they indeed uh, decrease wages, uh, firms uh, will hire more people because their uh, wage, wa- the wages that they pay are, are lower. And people will demand more goods because all of a sudden the inputs are cheaper and, uh, and the demand grows. So uh, it's very unreasonable to, to assume uh, fixed capital, sometimes even in the, in the short run. The other reasons where I think we make a contribution is that there are certain things that are specific to return migration that we don't see in immigration. And in this case, uh, what we notice is that a lot of the return is actually family reunification Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, one group of strangers coming to another group of strangers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of what we saw was the return of the breadwinners. And as such, they increased the the labor market participation, which is very low in Albania, and they just created much more energy and, and much more initiative, not only among themselves, but also among those that never migrated. Uh, because they were the missing part of the economy. So that's kind of unique, and I think it's a unique uh, contribution to to return migration. Well, I think it's a very interesting topic and definitely challenges, like you said, some of the assumptions that have been made in, you know, standard uh, studies of immigration. And I think it is, uh, obviously, there are some aspects of it that are particular to return migration, but then also... The, this this notion of whether migrants and uh, native workers are substitutes, imperfect substitutes or complements, looking deeply into that, I think that is something that can be generalizable uh, into different contexts as well. But uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do the interview, and thank you for a great talk as well. It was great having you. Thank you for having me. If you want to learn more about CID and our events, please visit cid.harvard.edu.